Welcome to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I'm Isabel, your host and founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark, a digital platform that offers life coaching products and services for modern, independent, child-free women. Our aim is to build a strong female community and to connect empowered women around the globe. Hello, firecrackers, and welcome to a new episode of The Honest Uproar. Today's guest is a very, very special guest. She is in her 70s. She looks amazing. She is an author, and she is also a child-free travel agent, actually, right? That's right. (laughs) Hi, Marsha. How are you today? I'm so good and so excited. I am delighted to be here. I I am so happy to have you as well. Uh, I have been reading a lot about you. I've seen your bio and there's so much that I want to ask you. Uh, But first, I would like you to tell us and our audience a little bit about yourself, your life, whatever you want to share. Sure. Well, going back to the days of the dinosaur, in 1974, I didn't quite know that I didn't want to have children. I mean, I didn't really know it. I kind of thought about it but I wasn't ready to accept it because in 1974, that thought you just don't go near. And it's very similar to today as well, which is a whole other story. But my dad gave me a book called The Baby Trap by Ellen Peck. We call her the high priestess of the child-free movement. And when I finished that book, I read it in in one sitting. It was as if I had to devour every single page because it spoke to me and it said, Marcia, you don't need therapy. You're perfectly sane. You're loving and kind and generous, and you don't have to have kids to be happy. And it was a revelation. And at that time, I was married to somebody else. He came home from work. I handed him the book. I said, read it. (laughs) And we both just sat down and for the first time looked at each other and said, we don't want to have children. So that led me, because at the end of the book, it said, if you want to meet more people, come to Manhattan and meet a group of non-parents. That's what we were called then, Mm non-parents. I met Ellen. I met the group. That night, there's a show called 60 Minutes. I don't know if you have it in your country. No, but but I've seen it in the States. It's a very well-respected television show. Mm -hmm. They were doing a um, a documentary on the child-free movement and uh, found out that I had never said anything to my in-laws or my parents and asked if they could come along. Shoot me now, I said yes. (laughs) And that was the first time my in-laws heard that we don't want to have children. The first reaction was, why are all these people in our house? Because they actually physically followed us in a car, put us in a taxi, right to my in-laws apartment. And I did call them and I said, we have something important to tell you and we're wondering if it's okay to share it on 60 Minutes. She said, 60 Minutes? And she said, oh, wait a minute, are you into like drugs? And I said, no. And then she said, wait a minute, are you like a a, a nudie dancer? I said, no. Well, how about group sex? That's it, group sex, right? I said, no. (laughs) She went down every single thing that you could possibly think of as being awful. She said, what could it be? I said, well, it may be shocking and we want to tell you. And that's how they heard for the first time that we don't want to have children. Her reaction was tears that flowed with my father-in-law saying, well, I mean, you're young and 
I'm sure eventually you'll get more mature and you'll come to the understanding that this is a natural occurrence. And they were just flabbergasted. And I was flabbergasted when I saw the actual taping of it because it was edited. Edited to make me look like the bitch. Wow. My, my husband then said nothing, not a word. And uh, he was edited out. So I looked like the heavy woman who was making everybody miserable by not wanting to have children. And the next day, I didn't have a teaching job because of oh. that interview. You got fired because of that interview? Oh, my darling, no. They would never say I was fired because of that interview. <laughs> no, 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 no. They said I was the last to be hired, and they were accessing teachers. They're so sorry, but they had to let somebody go the, day, the next day. Because I had been teaching as a, it's called a regular substitute teacher. Mm -hmm. And I had a job every single day. I was the most sought after teacher because I was good. And goodbye, career. I was blacklisted from teaching for close to 15 years till I remarried my husband, had a new name, got my, a new degree at the age of 50 in teaching English as a second language, and then went on to be nominated to Walt Disney's American Teacher Award. So, I mean, I was good. And for 15 years, those kids never had me as a teacher. That's awful. Uh, wow. Okay. I would like to know, because I can't really imagine what it was to live in the USA in the 1970s. Like how, in terms of like society and, you know, people I, I assume were pressured into having children or it was just like the norm. What as was it, it is today. As <laughs> it is today. I mean, I remember for the first time uh, burning my bra come to, you know, it was like a big thing to be a feminist and not to be considered a, um, a little puppet of a, of a man. And I was one of those first to go, yeah, and I belong to the National Organization for Women. And even though I embraced that, I was in terror of even thinking maybe I don't want to have children. It was so unnatural. It, I mean, from the time a doll was placed in my arms, that's what I was going to be, a mother. And to think that maybe, just maybe, I don't want that, there's got to be something wrong with me. And do you know, Isabel, I still hear people say that to me, and it shocks me, shocks me that um, that's still happening. And yet, why not? There is an expectation all over the world that if you're a woman, you're going to have a child. And I want to say, as a man, you're going to carry that name into the future. I remember once there was a kid, I was talking in high school, and the kid said, well, I just want my name to be carried on. And I said, well, what's your name? And he said, Smith. And somebody said, sit down. There's a lot of you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's something that I hear, you know, some couples say, like, we have to carry on the family name. And it's, I think it's silly, right? But I know that people have their reasons to have children. I'm wondering, what is your reason? What was your reason? Not to. Not to. Yeah. It's very simple for me. And, and I, it's not exhausting. It's simply the lifestyle. And my eyes were opened. I was 15 when my baby sister came to this world. There were no other children between us. My mom remarried when I was 13. And at 15, along comes a baby. And... It was the first time I had the reality and not the myth of what my mother had to do as a, as not only a mother, but she was a full-time worker. She had her own television repair business and she had a teenager. 
And I don't know how she did it. I was exhausted watching her taking care of my baby sister. Um, it was an eye opener. It wasn't just fun and cute. There were hard days. And I write about that also in my memoir because there were days where, when my sister had an emergency and we had to run to the hospital. And there were days where she was uh, petulant and angry and she, and she had her little temper tantrums. And my mother was exhausted. Uh, I don't know how she did it. And I, I suddenly said, wait a minute, this is not playing house. This is not playing dolls. I used to take my dolls and put them on the shelf when I was finished. She can never do that. Not only with the baby, but with me, a teenager who, believe me, I drove her crazy. <laughs> so you had a baby and a teenager. I don't know. I just don't know how people do it. So it's the lifestyle. It's the endless importance of taking care of another human being. You cannot just stop. It's not just a few hours a day. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I'm sorry, it's not just till the age of 18. It's forever. <laughs> because if there's a connection, you're going to have that child who's now an adult with their own issues and their own problems forever. Mm. Forever. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm in my mid-30s and I still have my parents tell me things that it's like, mom, dad, I can take care of myself, you know, <laughs> don't worry, it's fine. But they because never stop being parents. Little, yeah, and you'll be their little girl forever. Exactly. They will never recognize you as an adult. Exactly. No, I mean, yeah, and that happens to old parents. But you just mentioned something that um, I published on LinkedIn, uh, this article about how women have, you know, regrets about becoming mothers. And it sparked a discussion, well, not a discussion, it was more a comment I received uh, that said, you know, women, even today, still bear most of the responsibilities of raising children. Even if they're married, it's like they're a single they mom. They absolutely do. It's a full-time job, most often, that the woman has to take care of. Because, most, and I mean, look, there are gay couples now having children, that's a whole other issue because um, I learned that the gay couples who have children are more accepted than the ones that don't, which is a whole other interesting topic. But it usually is one person, one main person. Sometimes it is the man if the woman has a prestigious job, but the majority of women take care of, I don't care how loving and caring and compassionate and understanding that man is, the woman does most of it. And it's worse in other cultures. I mean, way worse. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so tell us a little bit about your memoirs. What is the book called? Oh, my book. It's called Confessions of a Child-Free Woman. And it's the story of what I'm, some of what I'm saying to you. But it's actually a lot of what I've been through in, in this journey, this path of coming to the age of 76. And looking back, you see, a lot of the people write forward, I expect this, I expect that, but this, I can look back and say, what did I go through with menopause? What did I go through um, when all my friends were having those babies and I sat there going, oh my goodness. And I talk about that too. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so it's, a, it's not just a forward book, it's a back book to say, this is where I've been, this is where I am now. And finally, no, there are no regrets. 
That's great. And you, you mentioned um, you're writing a second book or you have something it's in mind? It's done. It's done. It's in the oh, hands wow. of a right now. And that book answers the one question. I'm not going to tell you because I hope you buy the next book. And I can't until I know for a fact that the publisher is going to publish it. The one burning topic that I find internationally affecting anybody, man or woman, that decides they don't want to have children. And it took me three years to write that book. And it answers it in full, internationally. And I think it's going to answer a lot of questions that people have about how do I, how do, I do this thing called being child-free and, and stay sane and, and keep my friends and family. And by the way, you may lose some friends and family, but my, my belief is if you lose a friend or a family member to your personal choice, you've got to question whether or not they were that friend and you've got to question whether or not they honored you. And sometimes you've got to let go. You've got to let go. It's too toxic. Yeah. I mean, I'm lucky. My best friend who, the two of us were filmed in the, uh, the documentary To Kid or Not To Kid, Maxine mm-hmm. Trump, no relationship. Um, <laughs> she and I were interviewed by Maxine because we've stayed true friends since 1974. That's when we met. In fact, she came to my first meeting of NON. Uh, because her husband had just had a vasectomy. He was talking about why they had a vasectomy in 1974. And from that moment, she and I just clicked. And she has two boys. She has grandchildren. I've grown up with all of them. I've looked at her. I've cried with her over some of her problems. And nothing has stopped that friendship because it's true. It's real. It's supportive. It honors each of us. That's so, great. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I know. I understand what, where you come from in talking about uh, how we're seen by other people, how we're judged by other people. It's like, you don't want kids. What's wrong with you? And then they start, yeah, you, know, know. you know, judging. But we can never say, we can never say to the person, you want kids? What's wrong with you? Yeah, exactly. Oh gosh, you can never say that. <laughs> what? what? How do you say that? No, you can't say that because you're the one that's cuckoo. You're the one that's crazy. I'm fine. I'm going to be a parent. Yeah, absolutely. I I don't think there's such a thing as normal, but for them, that is like the normal. Uh, I'm also very, very lucky. Yeah. I'm also very lucky to, to have a friend, one of my closest friends. She also has two children. She's my age. Uh, Her kids are like three and one. They're tiny. I always thought she was going to stay child free because I, she was, you know, she talked about it, but she didn't really define it. Then at some point she met this guy, got married, had children. She loves her life. But every time I talk to her, she's like, oh my God, I love listening to your adventures. Tell me more. You know, everything you do is so exciting. <laughs> you mean the child free life stuff? Yeah. Exactly. 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 Yeah. I have uh, a young, I have a young uh, amazing student that I taught English to um, who came from India. And she and I have stayed connected all these years. I call her my daughter friend. I have a son friend too from Venezuela, as a matter oh, of wow. fact. Yeah. Yeah. Close. <laughs> and, <laughs> I know. and I have seen both of them, my son friend and my daughter friend. My son friend has two children and some of the issues that he's had to go through. My daughter friend has a little, uh, her firstborn, and she told me, she's very honest with me. And she said, oh my God, from the time I was pregnant, I never knew the things I had to go through. And I said, because it's kept from you. You'll hear about your glowing face and that wonderful feeling of having life, which I'm sure it's amazing. 
but you're not told the brutal truth about birth, about pregnancy, about birth, and then what happens afterwards. The first few months, she looked like hell, and this woman is gorgeous. She was exhausted, emotionally, physically, because she had a C-section. It took her weeks to be able to not have the pain. And she said, I never knew, what, what? Why haven't I been told these things? Because there's like a secret little world where you don't tell the truth. You only tell the good stuff. Yeah. And more and more women are saying, I want to hear the truth. Even those who are parents. That's true. Have you seen, uh, do you know who Ali Wong is? No. She's a comedian. She has She has two children. Uh, but she has her specials on Netflix. And she talks about the real and raw reality of what it is to be pregnant and give birth. It's like <laughs> hilarious. I mean, she she made the choice, of course, to become a mother. And but when, what she says is like, this is what you don't get told exactly what you just mentioned. And for me, it's really funny. Like I see it, and I'm like, that's hilarious. I laughed. Oh my god, I made the right choice. Yeah, no, you did. And you know what? I'm not saying there are many people who can go through birth and go through pregnancy and love it, love it, love it, love it. I'm not against those people. If they're happy, I'm happy for them. I am against people having so many kids. You know, I, I see people calling them breeders. I don't like that name. And I do have a feeling of a responsibility to this planet. It's pretty bad, the situation of this planet and what's happening to our natural resources. And I think it's very selfish to have more when there's so many kids who need you. Yeah. You know, other no, I... kids. But, and it's not easy to, to find kids to take care of. I know that. No, I completely agree with you. I think, uh, you know, we get called selfish a lot. Of, of course, I'm, I'm sure you've heard, you know, people saying, oh, you didn't have any kids. You're so selfish. Um, but for you know me, what I say to that? It, it, here's, here's a little, little hint. Yeah, I am. I'm taking care of myself. Now, I don't think that's selfish. Do you? <laughs> that, well, <laughs> true. Very word. I mean, look at the word. Yeah. No, I completely, completely uh, agree with you. But I mean, when you, like we were talking about, you know, some people wanting to have kids to preserve a name, that's selfish. That's if you selfish. want having your own kids because you want to have someone biological that looks like you, like a mini me, you know, that's selfish as well. I mean, like you said, there's some, so Plus many. Plus you may be very have... shocked because the genetic pool is so great that you don't always look like the child or the child doesn't always look like you. In fact, I have seen two of the most gorgeous people have the ugliest kids on this planet. And it begins <laughs> like, what? what went wrong? Well, it's called genetics. And it isn't always that beautiful face that you're looking at, you know, and, and yeah. talk about selfish if that's what you want. Yeah. So. Yeah. And yeah. And there's also like so many couples out there that are like, I don't want to adopt ever. Like if I don't have my own kids, Okay, I understand that, you know, adopting is a whole different animal, uh, but there's, there are so many kids that have been abandoned by their families. There are so many foster kids being, you know, shoved around in different homes. It just breaks my heart, to be honest. And bringing the opioid, the whole opioid, um, I don't know about in Colombia, but I know here it's terrible. There's so many parents who are dying from an overdose of opioids and children are just being thrown into foster care. And it is enormous here in America. Enormous. Wow. I hadn't heard about that, but that's awful. Oh. I, mean, I mean, I know that, that you, uh, I mean, the States has a, a public health issue with opioids addictions, but, uh, you know, going so far as people ODing and leaving kids behind, 
wow. rampant. It's so bad. It's so bad. And, and very often the grandparents have the burden of these, of these grandchildren, and it's not easy. Yeah, well, I can only imagine. You're listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. Now, let's talk about something more fun. I want okay. you to tell me about the cruises. Oh, my gosh. I'm so happy to talk about that. Um, uh, several years ago, Jim and I went on a cruise, and we had a great time. And we said, you know what? This would be great to, because the one thing I hear all over the world, I want to meet people that don't condemn me. I want to find friendships that acknowledge me, support me, validate me. And I thought, well, maybe we could do it on a cruise. And the first one, my guest speaker was Laura Scott, who wrote, um, oh, oh, my God, she's going to kill me. Two is enough, I think. Yeah, two is enough. And we had 14 people. And the next, and they had such fun. Everybody, just the moment we met, I had one girl from Australia come. And in my next book, she wrote a chapter about what that meant to her and how, how it changed her life. That one week being honored, being um, validated, finding that, yeah, she was okay just the way she was. It changed her life. It absolutely changed a lot. So that's the kind of thing that I love. When these people get together, it is such fun to be able to just see somebody and not have to worry about having the question, so how many kids do you have? Because we know we don't ask that question if you don't have to. And we laugh and we giggle. And, and there are children on the cruise because this is not a child-free cruise. I pick, a, I pick Norwegian, which has the least amount of kids on board. And in the month of February, when most kids are in school. So... It's kind of fun riding in an elevator sometimes with a few of the people and there's a child who's having a fussy time and we all look at each other with our eyes and it's like, yeah, yeah, you don't have to say anything. We get it. Well, then you see, you see the parents dragging the children to the day camp because they want some time alone. You know, it's, so the second, the second cruise, I had 39 people and right now we have 33. Uh, we have six more months to go. We have a, a Reiki healer on board. We have parents for the first time and a grandparent supporting the child who's child-free. I've never had that. That's awesome. We have friends also of child-free. Never had that. So I'm excited. It's fun. It's just so fun. So you have like a guest speaker and do you also do... Um, I have four guest speakers. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. I have a woman who's uh, 24 who had, was sterilized, a woman. I have a man speaking. Yes, it's not just women. <laughs> He's speaking from the heart of a man, explaining why he really is upset that it's so often thought of as a woman issue when he himself never wanted to have children. I, and then I have a, um, a life coach, McKelly. Oh, she's in food. And then me. Let's not forget me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be showing that tape, that 60 minutes tape that actual amazing moment when for the first time my in-laws heard, I don't want to have children. Wow. And Mike Wallace at the end saying, pardon our perversion for airing this on Mother's Day. Good night, everyone. Pardon that's, our perversion. That's, that's just, wow. Do you plan any other activities? 
Well, oh, yes. First of all, I'm going into New York City. If anybody's in New York, my peeps, I'll be in New York City, Manhattan on August 27th. We're doing a fundraiser for the next documentary. I'm now a diva. <laughs> the next um, documentary, which is Therese Schechter's My So-Called Selfish Life. And we're doing a fundraiser in New York City, Manhattan. And you can find that out on my sites on Facebook. I, I'll have links to that. And well, between that and the second book, I have enough on my plate at 76. <laughs> Some people say, are you ever going to retire? No, I don't think so. Well, to be honest, you don't even look your age. You look a lot Well, young. I'm going to be honest too, okay? It takes money. You don't think that at 76, these wrinkles aren't helped a little bit. I have a little extra money where I can get a little injection here and there and then look a little <laughs> younger and I don't have any guilt. I tell the truth. Why not? You know, yeah. why not? You know, I don't like looking in the mirror and seeing my face, you know, like shriveled up. But for those that love it, my hat's off to you. <laughs> it's great. I'm still waiting for acceptance. I can't stand it. But at least I mean, I'm if here, it makes I did. you feel better, if it makes you feel, you know, that you love yourself more, just go for it. Like, well, not... I love myself all the time, but I, you know, I just feel better when I when I look in the mirror and I see what I feel like inside. And mm -hmm. my body doesn't betray me with how I was aging. Yeah. Um, I'm the first to say, if that's what you want, fine. If that's what you don't want, great. I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah. Now that we're on the subject of self-love, let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tell me how your journey has been regarding how, you know, the process of getting to love yourself. You know, in the beginning it was difficult because um, I don't know if in the book I explained, it was so looked upon in such a terrible way. I had death threats. Um, when I went to speak, I had to go through picketing lines of people holding up signs that said godless bitch. And I began to think of myself as something that was awful. I retreated for a long time. First of all, I was scared. I don't know if you don't know what it's like to open up a death threat because you've made a choice not to have children. And my dog's life was threatened. And I went, I went around the house closing blinds because it was neighbors, people who were writing to me, you know, who, who thought less of me because of my choice, affecting nobody but me. So I held back and I began to think of myself as maybe I am such a horrible person. But little by little, I began to look in the mirror again and say, wait a minute. I'm a decent human being. I'm a loving, kind, generous, wonderful woman. What am I doing to myself? And that's when I learned for the first time what a thought does to you, because a thought can either support you or tear you down. And it's as simple as saying, get away thought, if it's bad, come back thought and make it good. So as I began to develop that and began to have a sense of pride, then there was a fierce determination. I've got to get this out to other people because of I'm feeling this way. Others have got to be feeling this way. So it was a gradual, you know, walking on this path and getting, feeling, I'm only five feet and I'm shrinking as I speak. But <laughs> I remember as I, as I was walking that path, I began to feel more and more confident that I was a good woman, a good human, and that I had loving, kind friends. And when I finally got back teaching, it, my, oh, I just loved it. So, um, yeah, at first it was difficult. But the one thing I want anybody who knows me to know is change the thought creates a different feeling. Simple as that. Absolutely. Absolutely.
So today you, if we say, you know, self-love being a scale of one to 10, one being you don't love yourself, 10 healthy love for yourself. Where do you place yourself at this time? 18. Wow. <laughs> yes. And maybe that's, I, I, I am. I love myself. I do. I love myself. I love what I do. I love my life. You know, I faced cancer. I don't know if you know that. No. Right after, the book, yeah, the book was published, I think, just after I was diagnosed with cancer. That was another awakening. Because remember how everybody says, what are you going to do if you're sick? And if you grow old and you're ill? And it was a rude awakening to be in a room with chemo going through you and looking at people worse than me, many of them, some better than me, and they're loving, some had loving children, but others, I didn't see any children. I saw neighbors, I saw friends, and sometimes I saw people alone with just a loving nurse being there. And I said, wait a minute, growing old, getting sick has nothing to do with having a child. It has to do with how you are and, and, and what you've developed around you. Because that's when you learn who really loves you. When, you're, when your best friend's daughter comes and picks you up to take you to chemo, when people bring you soup, when they call and they say, what can I do? How can I help you? That was rattling for me. And then when I lost my hair, I had, no, I had brown hair. And it came back gray. And I said, you know what? I'm just happy I have hair. And I kind of like this and I'm saving money. I'm saving it just like this. So yeah, that was awakening. I can only imagine. What? You don't want to imagine yourself. <laughs> no, I, I mean, wow. I mean, being just a survivor of cancer, but then not only that, but also living the life that you've always wanted to live and then carry on and being so active. It's just like hashtag life goals, seriously. <laughs> and I think awesome. that's the answer. So many people have children because they don't have a reason to live. That makes them live. That gives them a reason. That gives them honor and, and, and love just by the word parent. It's like, whoa, parent. But I often say, even for those that have children, you need to have something outside of that, some kind of a reason to get ups. And the one thing that I always say makes you happier is when you reach other people. Make their lives better and your life is incredible. Do something to help one person. And it may not even be anybody you know. Turn around to the person behind you on, in the cash register, you know, on the, in the grocery store line and say, you know, you look really lovely. Or leave them a dollar and, and you know, give the cashier a dollar and say, give it to the next person. I volunteer um, as much as I can, wherever I can, wherever I know there's a need. And it just, it's just beautiful for my life, you know. And maybe that's selfish. I don't know. But I... <laughs> All I know is it, it helps me. I was once a, a big sister for the big sister, you know, big brother. Mm -hmm. um, I belong to uh, an organization that wants peace on this planet. And I'm speaking at a peace. It's going to be September 21st worldwide. It's going to be Worldwide Peace Day at 12 o'clock our time in America, where it's just a moment where we think about peace and we try to just focus on what that means. And part of peace for the child free is knowing that you're perfectly fine and making a personal choice. It's not affecting anybody else. If it is, it's their choice again of a thought that's creating a feeling. And Absolutely. sometimes, some, here's the, here's, if you can take this away, this will help everybody. If you reach a person who starts to butt-butt, I call it a butt-butt, but 
How are you going to eat? What about when you're alone and you're old and you have nobody? And but isn't that selfish? But but what are you going? You don't. You'll never know true love. And but why did you get married? But 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 but. I finally know I can't talk to them anymore. And I just stop. I take a breath and I say, you know what? You may be right. And they always look at me like, what? <laughs> yeah, you may be right. Now, look at the words I just said. You may be right. I didn't say they are right. I gave them permission to be right because they'll never be wrong. So you may be right. You walk away, you laugh to yourself, and you go back to your childhood lifestyle. Don't get into a push-pull with somebody who's not willing to even honor you. Narrow-minded people. It's just not worth they it. They can't help it. Yeah. They can't, they can't help it. I don't know if you know the word pronatalism, if you've ever heard it. Yep. But it is a fact, and it is part of society. And there are places on this planet, which you read about in the next book, where if you dare mention that you never want children, you're called soulless. And in one country, I'll just give you a hint, in Greece, if you say you don't want to have children, your friends may not let their children come near you. They're afraid that they'll catch it from you. I can't make this up. I can't make this up. I mean, what? Exactly. Yeah. What? <laughs> There's yeah. a doctor I spoke to in um, Africa. She can never let her patients know. They will never go to her. Yeah, I know. Stigma in some societies just goes to great lengths to ostracize people like us. That's for sure. An other, an O-T-H-E-R, other. If you're not the norm, you're the other. So yeah. who are you? Well, you're you. And that's exactly. fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely fabulous. Right. Oh, Marsha, it's been such a pleasure to have you today. Uh, before oh, I let you thank go, you. is there anything else you want to add to our audience before? I just want people to know. I have um, no doubt in my heart that this choice makes life beautiful. If you are not willing to put in what it takes to parent, and let's face it, where are there any lessons, any courses on how to parent? But if you kind of know in your gut that you just don't want to do it, or you have some terrible um, genetic uh, affirmities going back, you don't want to give it to another child, or you just don't want the job, don't do it. And I know for a fact at 76, with all my friends now, who do have their grandchildren are not going through hell on this planet because it isn't always the icing of parents. Many of them have heartache from their grandchildren. I don't. I have love and joy and excitement. I can't wait to wake up in the morning. I can't wait to get up and do something and talk to you and write another book. No, I won't do that again. That's it. <laughs> not writing another book. Be into documentaries, get involved with peace. I mean, there's so much. And oh, one more thing. Just because you are child-free does not mean you're going to be wealthy forever. I hate that. I hate when people say, oh, yeah, now I have tons of money. Even for me doing the injections on my face, I had to budget that. No, I'm not wealthy. No, I can't just low on the beach every single, well, I can. I live in Florida. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I can't take a cruise every single month. I don't have the extra money. So um, that bothers me too. Enjoy the life, 
get out there and be proud of this life. Don't hide. Speak like a parent speaks about the joy of their lifestyle. We need to be as excited and proud of our personal choices. That's my feeling. Yes, we do. And with yes. that, thanks again for being Thank here. You. To my audience, I'm going to leave you uh, the links to Marcia's website, to Marcia's Facebook page, so you can follow her. She's an inspiration. Okay. And of course, yes, for the book, if you want to buy it on, I guess, Amazon. On Amazon. On Amazon. Uh, what's, the, what's the name of the book again, Marcia? Confessions of a Child-Free Woman. And I do confess to a lot. Some of it's really lusty, but that's okay. Well, I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> going to buy your book and I'm definitely going to read it. So uh, guys, I'm going to leave you all the links. And Marcia, uh, I really hope that you come back to our show sometime. It has been a pleasure. Thanks so much again. To. Thanks for what you're doing. You're the light. You will continue. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the Cape community. We hope you tune in next week for our newest episode. And since we love hanging out with you, please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, Continue fueling your inner fire.